0: So we're reading Proverbs chapter 4. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me, and he said to me, Take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands, and you will live. Get wisdom. Get understanding, do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you, embrace her and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. Listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evil doers. Avoid it, do not travel on it, turn from it and go on your way. They cannot rest until they do evil. They are robbed of sleep till they make someone stumble. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead, fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil.
1: Liz, thanks so much. Really um, appreciate you reading for us. Um, Here's Dan and uh, he's going to be helping us to um, understand this passage tonight. So Dan, thanks so much for uh, leading us over to you. Thank you so much, Chandy, for leading us uh, this evening. Thank you, Liz, for reading that out to us. And a really warm welcome to you again uh, this evening. And it's, it's good, isn't it, for us to be meeting together uh, like this. And do, if you have your Bibles open in front of you, do keep it to Proverbs chapter 4 uh, as we explore this passage over these next few moments together. But uh, I don't know, you know, Oscar Wilde, the writer, and he, he once said this. He said, A cynic, someone I guess you could say who is sceptical about lots of stuff. A cynic is someone who knows the price of everything and yet the value of nothing. It's a fantastic quote, isn't it? I love it. But it highlights something, doesn't it? That there is a real difference actually between knowing the cost of something and knowing the value of something. And I think there's an easy way to, to show that, to illustrate that, and that is through flowers. Uh, you see, no doubt, uh, I'm assuming that there will be uh, many husbands here uh, logged in on Zoom uh, this evening who have done the the noble and the gentlemanly gesture of buying flowers uh, to give as a gift to uh, their wives. And maybe if you haven't, there are a few, uh, few, uh, few looks going around the room. But I wonder, and it doesn't necessarily work this way, but I'm... Um, Working on probabilities, but I'm guessing that more often than not, uh, the husband and wife look at the flowers in completely different in different ways. So i I'm imagine the husband who went out and bought the flowers. Boy, when he looks at the flowers, he probably sees the cost uh, of what it took to purchase the flowers. The maybe astronomical cost uh, of uh, what flowers uh, are value uh, are costing at. But then you've got the wife who probably looks at flowers in the complete other way, who loves flowers. She's delighted in receiving them flowers and sees not the cost of the money it took to buy the flowers, but sees flowers in terms of how much they are valued. There's a difference, isn't there, between seeing something in how much it costs and seeing something in how much its value is. Tonight, actually, in Proverbs. You know, it's going to train us. It's going to help us to see that actually wisdom begins in not knowing the cost of something, but knowing the value of something. And once we know the value of something like the flowers, actually, when we see and we savour the value of it, we cherish it and we set our affections on it and we pursue to get it at we'll see this evening any cost. As we explore our passage and as we go through it, I've just got two very simple points that hopefully will guide us as we go through two points, which is get wisdom and guard your heart. Get wisdom, guard your heart. And so our first point this evening is get wisdom. And that's from chapter four, verses one to nine. And if you look at that first section, it is the overwhelming point that the father writing this section is trying to make to his son isn't it? If you look down with me in verse four, the father says, "Take hold of my words with all of your heart." In verse five, the father says, "Get wisdom, get understanding." verse 6, do not forsake wisdom do not leave wisdom." And then finally and I think most clearly in verse 7 of chapter four, the father says, "The beginning of wisdom is this: get wisdom though it cost all you have get understanding seems like there's an overwhelming first point get wisdom and we've been seeing over these past few weeks haven't we as we've been introduced to proverbs we've seen how proverbs they they work in their style of writing and how they're connected and they're designed to make us think between the ways that the the writer connects different lines and different ideas together and what the implications of these proverbs are the connections that are being made, and and that in turn is almost a way that proverbs makes us wise by getting us to think through it. And I just want us to examine verse seven because I think it sums up uh, so much of this first section. Let's examine verse seven with this approach. So if you look down with me at verse seven, we've got line A. If you look, it says the beginning of wisdom is this: get wisdom we might be thinking, okay, Solomon, uh, that's really helpful. Uh, The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Great. Where do we go from this? Well, then we move on to line B. And line B says, though it cost all you have, get understanding. So what we've got here is, it's almost in line A, we've got this command from the father to the son. He he says, get wisdom, uh, acquire wisdom. And that's, illustrated almost intensified in in the next line that comes when the father says though it cost all you have get understanding and so the implication here in the proverbs that sums up this first section is that wisdom is not just valuable but that acquiring wisdom is the greatest possession that you could acquire and it far exceeds everything else you own put together That's quite the implication that's being made uh, that the father is making in this chapter of Proverbs. And I don't think he's trying to exaggerate here. And it comes back to what we just saw at the beginning, that there is a, a difference, you could say, between the cost of something and the value of something. Although getting wisdom might cost you everything you have, getting wisdom, the father says, is more valuable than anything you have. And that leads us to a question, surely this evening, that what is this wisdom? Where can I find this wisdom? It's not like we can pop down to Tesco's and pick wisdom off the shelf on aisle four or order it online on John Lewis somewhere. What is this wisdom? Where is this wisdom that, that Proverbs is saying is the greatest thing that we could acquire? Well, Wisdom in Proverbs is interesting. And from our introduction that we had a few weeks ago, we saw that wisdom in Proverbs is not, in a sense, knowing how to pass your chemistry exam. It's not an academic smartness when it talks about wisdom. Wisdom in Proverbs, you could say, is this. It is a God-focused, God-centered thinking about life. It's a God-focused, God-centered thinking about life. It's why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom in chapter one, verse seven. Proverbs says wisdom isn't being able to make great decisions by yourself. Rather, Proverbs says that wisdom is making decisions in view of God and who he is. That's what we saw last week, for example, Look with me back at the last chapter, chapter three, verse five. A very famous verse which says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Wisdom is living and thinking in that God focused, God centered way. Again, in chapter 3, verse 7, it goes down, it says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Again, it's drawing us to be God focused in the way we think about life. Verse nine, even honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits of all of your crops. How do I what's wise about how I use my resources? Well, Proverbs says, think about God, view God, honor God. And that gives us wisdom in how we make decisions. That is what wisdom is, viewing God in the right way and living consciously in light of that. And in our passage this evening in chapter four, The father says that wisdom, this wisdom, well, it can actually be found as well in paying attention to his words, to his teaching, like we see at the very start in chapter four, verse one. And so the son in Proverbs finds this wisdom, you could say, by holding on to his father's words. And sure, tonight, we too can find wisdom in the same words that we're reading through Proverbs but I want to suggest this evening that for us, the way we find wisdom is not in a different place, but it's in a different person. Because if you remember back to our introduction, if you're joining us for the first time this evening, it's great you can be with us. And we saw a couple of weeks ago that Proverbs actually is a, is a book that primarily isn't for us. It is written for a father to a son who is going to reign it's a it's like a wisdom curriculum for the king who's going to rule for a davidic son and actually proverbs is a book that points us primarily to the lord jesus he is the one who actually isn't just greater than solomon the one whose wisdom we read of here the one who even lives out perfectly the wisdom we find recorded in this book But Jesus is the one that the New Testament is so clear, is wisdom itself. He is wisdom in the flesh. Jesus Christ is wisdom. He's not just wise. He is wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30, Paul says this, that Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. In Christ, we don't just see how to live. Out wisdom although we do how to live out that God-centered God-focused way of thinking but Christ is in himself wisdom and knowing him and looking to him will mean that our hearts and our minds will constantly be shaped and changed in becoming more focused more God-centered in our way of thinking and making decisions So this evening, when we hear this call that comes in this first section from the father to the son to get wisdom and to get wisdom at any cost. Actually, for us, that is a call. To get Christ, to value Christ above everything else, whatever you do in life, get Christ, whatever you think in life. Know Christ. Whatever you desire in life, love Christ, though it costs you everything you have. There is nothing in this world more valuable you have than him. Nothing. The father says. And I think this is brilliantly illustrated in a parable that comes to mind that Jesus himself says in Matthew chapter 13 verse 44 where he tells his parable and he's speaking to a crowd and he says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field he tells a story of he says when a man found this treasure he hid it again and in his joy he went away and sold all that he had and bought that field and Jesus says that's what it's like when you know me Jesus says, that's what it's like when you know what my kingdom is all about. Everything else fades into insignificance when it's compared to me, Jesus says. There is nothing in this world more valuable, more precious, more worthy than him. It's like what Paul says in Philippians chapter three, verse seven and eight, where he says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss." for the sake of Christ he says what is more I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and Paul says for whose sake I have lost all things and he says I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ that I may get Christ You know, as the father in our passage in Proverbs wants more than anything in this chapter for the son to see the value that wisdom holds. This evening, we are being pointed towards Jesus to see more than anything the value that he holds. Because Proverbs actually points us to something quite remarkable Because it shows us that if we don't see the true value of Christ, wisdom from God, we miss out on the greatest thing we could ever gain. That's what the father wants the son to see. The father actually says to the son that wisdom will exalt him. Wisdom will honour him. Wisdom will be like a crown to his head. And actually, when we realise this evening, when we look at Christ, actually, we see that, yes, In him, we find our glory. In him, we find our hope. We find everything that we could ever want when we gain Christ. That's the conclusion that Paul came to when he mentions in Philippians. And might I say that tonight, on this day in particular, I know that's the conclusion that Dave treasured too. He spoke about it all the time, didn't he? Whenever we met him, he was speaking of this treasure, of this value of Christ. And Dave this evening isn't missing out on anything, but he is realising and experiencing all the glory, all the hope and the joy that he spent his life living for as he looked and saw the value of Christ. And yet so many people today, you know, look at Christ and see the cost, but none of the value. Maybe like husbands looking at flowers. And our culture and our friends might think we would be mad to give up everything or to view that everything is worth giving up in order to get Christ. Christ isn't that valuable. Christ isn't that worthy. Surely no one could be. Well, you know, we've already seen this evening, haven't we? That breaking of bread, just some of the reasons of the value, the preciousness of Christ and what he's done for us. But let me add to that and just say that if we are wondering this evening why we should value Christ above everything else, well, do you know when we gain Christ, we experience such an overwhelming sense of freedom freedom that the world I don't think has. Freedom from living for people's approval, for example. Freedom from that because God in Christ now approves of me and nothing and no opinion matters more than that. Freedom from trying to airbrush my life in such a way that I hide all of my failures and my flaws. And I'm freed from all of that because actually I'm free to acknowledge that I am loved by Christ and Christ knows one thing about me and that is I am a great sinner and yet I am still loved and still forgiven and saved by grace. In Christ we gain a freedom from so many fears that often control us. We get to live knowing that even as we take our last breath the best is still yet to come. This evening, do we see the value of Christ? Do we see him like he's worth giving up everything to gain? We don't just see the cost, we see the value. Well, how do we get Christ? How do we gain Christ? If this is the most, if he is the most valuable thing we could receive in life. Which, you know, it's by living it out each day, isn't it? Living as though Christ is the most precious and the most valuable thing that we have in life. And it always seems, I guess, like the easy application to just say to to go away and, and read our Bibles more. But it's not just that we read our Bibles, is it? But it's how we read our Bible in order to know Christ more and gain Christ. Anyone can just open up the Bible and read it, but reading it in order to love Christ more, reading it in order to know him more, reading in order to cherish his promises deeper in our hearts, reading to respond, not just in prayer, but with our lives lived out each and every day. Something we know and we've been blessed with seeing and being around Dave for so many years. That is how we gain Christ. And Christ offers Himself to anyone this evening, the most valuable, the most precious person. And He holds His arms open to each one of us for us to receive Him this evening. Get wisdom, get Christ. But secondly, and finally, and shortly, get wisdom. Guard your heart. That's our second point this evening. Guard your heart. And that's from verses 10 to 27. You see, from verse 10 to 22, it marks out a new section. You might see that in your Bibles. And from the father having told his son, having to gain wisdom, get wisdom and acquire wisdom. The father now turns to his son and he warns his son of everything in the world that would try and destroy. And drag him away from following the wisdom that he's learned, the wisdom that he's acquired. If you look through that section from verses 10 to 22, you'll see all of the ways that the father shows that, the warnings he gives. But then at the end of the chapter of Proverbs, the attention shifts from the threats that the son would face out in the world day by day to what you could say is the ultimate threat. That the Son faces to his walk with wisdom. And actually, the Father says the, the ultimate thread is not out there, but it's in here. That's why I think verse 23 sums up this next, next section so well. Look with me, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. The biggest threat to our own walk with Jesus and walking in this wisdom is ultimately not in the things that we face day to day in the world and around us. The biggest threat to walking in wisdom, to walking in relationship with our God, is our own heart. The problem starts in here, not out there. I love what uh, someone called uh, Thomas Cramner who lived many years ago, what he said about it, he said, what the heart loves, the will chooses, and the mind justifies. It's great, isn't it? But it shows, doesn't it, that that it all begins with the heart. From it, proverb says, everything else flows. It's so true, isn't it? That is so true. Everything flows from our heart. And therefore, Proverbs is teaching us that wisdom begins by knowing that our hearts are a real threat. And they're prone not just to wonder, like the hymn says, but prone to even deceiving ourselves. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things. And beyond cure who can understand it as has often been said the heart of the problem is the problem of the human heart and you know in our last part of our passage proverb shows us this truth that everything flows out from our hearts and it's really interesting look look down at the next three verses verse 24 to 25 and 26. Because interestingly, it then goes on to mention three other body parts. It mentions the lips, the eyes, and then the feet. You see, it begins with the heart, but Proverbs says everything else flows from it. And this is what's illustrated in the last point. And Proverbs wants us to see, and it wants us to help us see how we can practically guard our hearts. And ultimately, in these next three things, we'll see what they are. Ultimately, it's Jesus who sets the example for us to follow. And we don't have time to unpack all of these examples, but they do help just wonderfully, practically give us an understanding of how we can guard our hearts. Firstly, how can we guard our hearts? Well, what do you talk about? Verse 24. It says, keep your mouth free of perversity keep corrupt talk far from your lips Proverbs says we guard our hearts by guarding what we say jesus himself says in matthew 12 doesn't he for the mouth speaks of what the heart is full of what we talk about often has to do with what's on our hearts and so we guard our hearts by watching what we say the conversations that we're in secondly how do we guard our hearts well, what do you look at? Verse 25, it says, let your eyes look straight ahead, fix your gaze directly before you. We guard our hearts by looking at the right things. Jesus, again, he says in Matthew six twenty-two that the, the eye is the lamp of the body. How can we guard our hearts? How can we guard our hearts when we're when we're consuming and we're watching things that are so unhelpful and so Proverbs says we look at what is helpful we look at the right things we look to jesus the author and the perfecter of our faith and we set our minds and our hearts and our eyes on things that are above but thirdly and finally how do we guard our hearts or where do you spend your time verse 26 And we might be thinking just before we read that, uh, where do we spend our time? We might be thinking, well, it's a bit obvious, Dan, where we spend our time at the minute. Um, We spend it at home. But verse 26 is helpful because it says, Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Now, I'm not saying that we should all come down and, and bring our airbeds and camp in 181 and spend every hour together as a church. Um, but where we spend our time often dictates how we relate to Christ when we're in environments that are encouraging and point us to Christ. Often that's how our hearts respond. And opportunities virtually at the moment I know it's not the same, but virtually to go to small groups and the prayer meeting, even this week, and to services help guard our hearts for the times that we're not together. Where do you spend your time? What do you look at? What do you say? Three, I found really helpful pointers in how to guard your heart, because Proverbs says everything we do flows from our heart. And this evening we have seen, haven't we, that we have something so valuable in knowing Christ. And when we have something that's valuable, we guard it, we treasure it and we cherish it. And so Proverbs says, guard your heart guard that wisdom that you're walking in and living in each and every day so hopefully this evening we've been shown these two things in proverbs get wisdom pointing us to christ and guard your heart though it costs all you have cherish it and value it above everything else well let's pray as we close together Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. And we thank you that it helps us to become God-centred, God-focused in our way of thinking and living. And we pray that this week as we go into it, with the challenges, with the trials that are ahead of us, we pray that we may hold on to the value of knowing Christ the hope that we find in Christ, everything we have in knowing Christ. Father, we know and it's our joy to know that Dave loved you and that changes everything. And we pray that we as a church family would live in that same way as we keep looking to Jesus. As we keep living for him this week. We pray Father, that we may also guard our hearts, that you would help us in what is helpful, in what will build us up, in what will build others up to point and to look to Jesus. We pray that you may just really let these truths be a foundation to us as we head into this week. Bless us and keep us, we pray. Amen.